Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello, and welcome to Parlor to Plate, a weekly podcast from Everag Insights dedicated to offering listeners enlightening discussion and actual intelligence about dairy markets. I'm your host, Erica Medke. We are super excited to have you along today. If you like what you hear, please like us, subscribe, and tell a friend or two. First things first, let's timestamp today's episode. It is Wednesday, July 12th, 1 o'clock Central Time. And here's a quick rundown of the markets. CME block cheddar today, 148. Big move, we are up 12 cents from last week. Barrels at a 139, up a nickel. Whey, we are again down to 22.5 cents. Butter, we are a quarter cent shy of $2.50, up 3 cents on the week. And nonfat dry milk down to 108. On the grain side, July corn is trading at $5.51, down 21 cents so far today, but up 3 cents from last week. July soybeans at $14.95, down 53 cents on the week. And finally, soybean meal coming in at $4.35, up $17 per ton. Today, we are lucky to have another all-star cast from the Everag team. We've got Kevin Peterson, a longtime commercial trader with the Everag team, Britt O'Connell, a veteran grain advisor and broker, and Matt Trannell rounds out the cast, supporting dairy producers with risk management activities. So our first section, we like to talk about what's the buzz, what's going on in everybody's world. So Matt, let's start with you. What's going on with producers these days? Yeah, so everybody's still kind of watching the tight margins and trying to anticipate when markets may turn around or put enough pressure on the dairy farms in order to uh, provide some type of uh, relief and some type of supply contraction within the industry. Grain prices are still around five bucks for corn. Bean meal is still around 400 bucks a ton. That is still a high price when you talk $13 milk prices. We're currently watching dairy producers across the country receive their June milk prices and, and their milk checks in their mailbox. A lot of them aren't that thrilled with what's coming into the mailbox. We're looking forward to the July, August milk checks that will be hitting soon. Uh, we believe that with some of those, we might get some type of relief, at least from a supply standpoint. But everybody's trying to figure out when that might happen. This week, we did see price appreciation prior to today. but Ultimately, uh, everybody's trying to pinpoint when that uh, when that low might be set. Great, thanks, Matt. Hey, Kevin, what's the buzz in your world? Uh, the buzz on the commercial side uh, tends to revolve around butter and cheese. Still, you know, we put in new highs actually today for CME spot butter on the year, and this comes on the back of uh, really really strong butter stocks right now, just under 370 million pounds. That's up 14 percent versus a year ago, uh, but it doesn't seem to matter. Buyers are still eager to take on butter, um, you know, well below last year's levels of around $3. So I think you're kind of seeing that there. Butter futures out on the curve continue to discount that, projecting lower prices, but we just haven't seen that on spot yet. As for cheese, we've been kind of grinding lower the last four months now. Hit lows last week around $1.30, just above that. And the last couple of days, we were seeing some upticks and some eager buyers, but sellers came back in today. And, you know, the futures there, we, you know, we kind of call it the slope of hope. We're sitting at around $1.40 on spot and futures still think we're going to get to $1.85 this year. So, you know, I guess time will tell. Britt, today's a WASD day. What's going on in that world? Certainly a lot of buzz created when USDA puts that report out. Absolutely. So at a high level, the market's still trying to 
wrangle through and wrestle with what the 2023 production picture might look like for corn and beans. Obviously, we saw a drought early on, but we've started to see weather patterns change. And as we move into pollination and ear fill, forecasts are still calling for more moisture and a little less heat. So the market's trying to reconcile that against demand, which has been a little bit lackluster here as of late. In the latest WASD that the USDA put out today at 11 o'clock, they ended up taking feed and residual up 150 million bushels as a result of uh, the quarterly stocks report that was released uh, a few weeks ago. Um, They took ethanol demand down 25 million bushels and exports down 75 million bushels, uh, bringing ending stocks down by about 50 million bushels, which means there will be a little less beginning stocks for the 2023-2024 year. Uh, But given the fact that uh, we increased acres by 2 million uh, and we have yet to touch any of the demand side, um, there's still a pretty hefty balance sheet forecasted for the coming year, which is going to keep some pressure on prices. So now to move into the center of the plate, I want to start us off talking a little bit about the exports and the international markets. Since our last meeting, since our last recording, we've seen some new trade numbers. So just a quick recap here. So U.S. cheese exports for the month of May, 73 million pounds, which honestly is a big disappointment as you normalize for the number of days in the month. That's the lowest amount of exports on a daily basis. So definitely a slowdown on the cheese side of things. On the powder side of things, the U.S. has been flat year over year if you look at uh, volume January through May. And thank goodness for Mexico because they've stepped up and taken 43% more this year than last year. On the butterfat side of things, that's been a tough go for the U.S. where our exports are down 32% for butter, while the imports are up 36%. So certainly from a dairy perspective, it's been uh, a challenge to be moving products internationally. And Kevin, do you want to speak a little bit about what that means on the commercial side? Yeah, I think for those exports, especially in cheese, from how I view it, it all really started for us in the beginning of the year. We had that uh, big run up in cheese pushing over $2 in March. And I think we kind of shot ourselves in the foot for later on in the year, kind of where we are now with uh, a lack of ability to export. I don't think we got, you know, I don't think we inked any deals uh, up at $2 and we were well above international pricing. And I think we're starting to uh, feel some of that now. You know, I also think a lot of end users during that flurry really started to hang on to some extra inventory. And we've heard in the last uh, month or so, they're starting to use that now, especially as interest rates um, are remaining strong and, and that cost to carry inventory gets pretty burdensome on these guys. They're starting to use it now instead of buying fresh cheese from the market. So that's the dairy world in terms of the international space feeling kind of weak. Britt, I've also heard some things recently that the international space for grain, I mean, again, we've been talking about Russian grain corridor for a long time, creating a lot of uncertainty, had some interesting comments from from contacts recently saying that the forage market internationally has been weakening, uh, just with China not buying as much. So I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind touching a little bit on where's the U.S. export picture on the, the grain side? Yeah, it does continue to be weak. Um, As noted in this last WASDE release, uh, the U.S. took exports down for old crop corn by another 75 million bushels. And while they haven't done so on the 23-24 balance sheet yet, it's still at a very high level. Most would consider a very high level. It's been tough for the U.S. to be competitive, particularly on the corn front. Brazil's in the midst of harvesting a record safrina corn crop. And so 
right now, that's where buyers are going. That's the cheapest price right now. And so with still a relatively strong dollar and fresh supplies coming out of Brazil, it's going to be tough for the U.S. to compete for a while. The other thing that's working against us on that front is that we've seen tremendous growth in acres in South America, Brazil really specifically. But one of the things that they haven't done is they haven't added a lot of infrastructure. And so what that results in is a lot of kind of quote unquote dumping, if you will, of corn and soybeans on the market as we round out the back end harvest. And so there's been pictures circulating around the internet of massive grain piles around the country. And what we're seeing is that buyers are stepping in and taking advantage of that suppression in prices and uh, choosing to um, get some of their needs covered. So we're going to have an uphill battle on the corn front, remaining competitive uh, in that environment, particularly if we do end up seeing a little bit lighter yield here in the U.S. and that does continue to keep prices uh, at a higher level, which is yet to be seen. But should that be the case, it's going to provide more headwinds on the export front On the soybean front, well, they've been pretty steady. The USDA did trim exports for old crop soybeans by about 21 million bushels as we near the back end of the uh, soybean export season. It became evident that it's going to be very tough for the USDA to meet what was originally forecasted. So I would call soybean demand steady. But again, Brazil is looking to plant a record amount of soybean acres come September, October, November. And if they have amicable weather down there, uh, as Argentina as well, we could have a bit of a headwind on that front as well, remaining competitive. So lots of things to flesh out in the export market yet. But in general, prices are going to have to be cognizant of the fact that the U.S. has got to compete with the rest of the world in order to uh, keep grain flowing out. So, Matt, as we think about the producer situation, they're caught in the squeeze between the low dairy prices, and the still relatively high grain prices. How are you working with folks these days to manage that sort of margin, especially here today, as well as into the future? Yeah, so we're taking kind of a a twofold approach, uh, depending on the period of time that you're looking at at any given time. Uh, Here in the interim, in the Q3, most of our dairies that that are well positioned, we're looking at managing gains on on some of these these positions that they have, whether it's the CME, whether it's insurance type tools, all the above really. And so we're looking at rolling down some of that coverage. We're looking at protecting the upside while maintaining downside coverage if possible. In August, uh, August starts pricing next week, we'd be looking at a very simple approach of utilizing call options. If for some reason the market were to rally back higher, the call option would mitigate some of that risk while leaving the downside wide open to additional price depreciation. So managing gains in that in that type of approach, September is a little bit tougher. There's a little bit more time value out there. So you have to structure it a little bit differently, but really trying to manage some of those gains that we have uh, built up for a lot of our early hedgers. Beyond that, we're looking at managing the carry curve. Uh, today, we have the spot synthetic class three price closer to about $13.50, whereas you have futures out into Q4, Q1 in that 17 to 17 and a half dollar range. And so there's pretty good premium out there that dairies can take advantage of while staying flexible in the event that prices do get better because of better demand or uh, supply contraction over the course of time due to some of the tighter margins that we have currently. So while $17 a hundred weight doesn't make people feel good, it's certainly better than the 13. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Keeps you around for a little bit longer. That's for sure. And I think that's an advantage that that dairymen have if we continue to see 
the U.S. perform poorly in the export market is it is going to keep some pressure on those grain markets. So they're welcoming some of this price pressure. And I think there's going to be some opportunities ahead, especially if we do see adequate yields come out of fields for dairymen to start layering in some some grain purchases at maybe some better values than they've been able to see the last few years. Great discussion, you guys, today. Big thank you to Kevin, Britt, and Matt for joining me. Great contributions to the buzz and center of the plate. Really appreciate you guys being here today. As always, thank you to our media team, Paige Driscoll, for mixing and mastering. And thank you to the listeners for joining us today. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite app. As many of you know, Everag Insights has launched our new portal. There you can get access to all of our past publications as well as web exclusives. And for the producers who are listening to us today, I want to just highlight that if you are not receiving margin matters in your inbox today, please reach out to us at insights at ever.ag. There's a brand new format to watch for. And if you'd like to learn more about how we help people manage risk, please contact us at insights at ever.ag.